Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Before we get started, I am asking for donations to keep my show free of ads and interruptions and provide the best quality information out there. There is a link in the description below. And again, thank you so much for supporting my podcast and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between, making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. We are recording. Hello, Jennifer. How are you? I'm well. Yourself? I am doing fantastic. And how are things in uh, Michigan these days? Uh, Cold. Yeah, I know. I had to go out and cover my plants last night. And I have to leave them covered because it's getting down to 30. So Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy how the weather's just changing. And then next week it will be, you know, it'll be like 80 degrees. Yep. You know, it'll just suddenly change on that. So, but uh, I'm really happy that you're on the show today. Um, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really geeked that you reached out. And and thank you. I, I hope people like what we're doing and like what I'm doing. So... <laughs> I really think they're, I think people are, they're really tuning in. I, I, I'm noticing on different feeds are coming in on YouTube and different things like that. There, you always seem to be a guest, which is fantastic because I wanted to talk about this topic for a while. And I, and I was so excited when I thought somebody's a channeler. I want to have that person on my show. We're going to talk about channeling because I get so many messages from people. Can you put this on? They always giving me like topics they, they want me to cover. And, mm-hmm. you know, intuitively, I, this is what I wanted to cover anyways. So, how long have you been channeling for? Uh, I started channeling in the fall of 2013. And oh, I didn't, it's been a while. yeah, and I didn't like, I think I'm going to channel and set out to do it. It sort of happened to me. And I use air quotes because, you know, we always decide what we want to experience prior to incarnation. So I'm thinking, oh, what's going on here? When, of course, it was part of the plan to begin with. But yeah, it's, it's been a while, but it was sort of a what on earth is going on with me sort of moment. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that for a lot of people who who have channeled in the past. It's, it's something that it's either they you know, kind of thrown into it, they don't really realize that they're doing it. And then until they go to somebody who is a channeler to figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah. Now, you do Reiki too as well. Now, did you do Reiki prior to your channeling or was the channeling first then your Reiki? Channeling came first and I I you know I had because I'm a weirdo right so I have interest in all of these subjects but I never saw myself doing any of them and I don't like to refer to myself as a Reiki practitioner but it's a name that people recognize though I am certified in in several different uh Reiki modalities um I didn't want to get certified in Reiki because uh, I kind of dug my my heels in when the angel that I channel was trying to get me to learn it. I'm like, nope, not doing it. Nope. Because my belief is that um, really when I channel Ian, he's doing energy healing through me. So a human didn't need to teach me this, right? Um, and so I was like, why do I need to get certified in something that another human has to teach me how to do and then gives me a piece of paper that says I know how to do it when that's not how the the gentleman who started Reiki was even taught. And that's not what's going on with me. I I don't need a human. I don't need any piece of paper. That said, 
people love pieces of paper that say that you know how to do something because a human taught you how to do it. (laughs) And so at first I was like, nope, nope, not doing it. And then when I started channeling Kuan Yin, she was like, if you could just, just do it, just suck it up and do it. And so they knew I wouldn't do it if I had to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on it. Um, And really, I think the only reason they wanted me to do it was to be attuned to the energy because I don't use the symbols. I don't, those are just tools. You don't need any of that. But Kuan Yin's energy aligns with that of Reiki more. It's more of a divine feminine, soft, gentle energy, whereas Ian's is like sticking a finger in a light socket, Um, a little more active and divine masculine. So yes, I'm a Reiki channeler and and I do it, but mostly it's just kind of in my toolbox because I had to also learn how to do pranic healing because a lot of what Ian does with my hands when I'm channeling him for the energy healing looks like what pranic healing looks like. Um, I didn't need to get certified in it because I just had to recognize what Ian was doing through me and go, oh, he's moving my hand like this because he's doing this with the energy. So people don't need certifications unless they, um, you know, aren't, well, I'll, I'll say this, if you were not born an energy healer and you don't have some, some divine being working through you to, to do it through you, you can get taught by other people. That's not a bad thing, but it's also not a requirement, if that makes sense. Sorry, that was like a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> no, 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 it was, but, no, it was fantastic. Yeah, you know, um, you know, a lot of people they use Reiki as like, I always say it's like their gateway to yes. open them up to energy. And that's what I was kind of like looking at, um, you know, cause a lot of people will get their Reiki initiations and that opens them up spiritually. Like they, they're yes. looking for something. It's always, like I say, it's like their gateway drug. Yeah. You know, you start with Reiki and you learn about Reiki and then you get attuned and then your everything starts to open up and then your psychic abilities and everything else just starts moving and flowing and you start working that. And that's where it, um, what I was really looking at um, as far as you go, but it looks like it, it just like, it started happening for you. So if people ask you, what is channeling? Because there's a lot of, sometimes a lot of confusion around what channeling is. Yeah, and channeling is a lot more than what people seem to think it is. Um, and I say that because people hear channeling and they think, oh, that's what a divine being or, or maybe not divine, depending on who you're working with, is speaking through you out of your mouth. And yes, that is one aspect of channeling. But really anyone who is a psychic medium or an intuitive is doing a form of channeling because whether you're channeling your higher self or you're channeling divine beings um, and you are the the being through which these uh, messages are being passed, if you are the medium for these messages, you're channeling. So you don't have to do what's called direct channeling, which is when the entity is literally speaking through you, you can do passive channeling. So channeling really encompasses a lot of different things. Is that what you're doing? Are you doing passive channeling? Is there a a unique blending of your energy with the angelic energy? What what happens to you physically when that happens? So when you call upon Ian or is it basically you're going into healing session, he shows up and things just start happening. So how does it work for you? How does your process work? So Ian and I um, merged energetically probably, I think it was sometime in 2014, we, we finally had the, because my, he's extremely high vibrational. He's up in the seraphim realm, uh, which is just below Elohim, which is just below source energy. If any of you know your, your angelic orders, <laughs> I don't we'll, know we'll what. Touch, we'll touch on that, but that's good. That, you know, it's very important because I wanted to touch on that too, but we'll go back to that. Okay. 
so, uh, and I don't ask me what dimension that is. That's high. That's all I know. Um, and it's so high that, you know, as a human, my vibration had to get higher and he had to kind of reach down to, to me vibrationally so that our energies could merge. And he comes, he's connected to me through the back of my heart chakra. And so we're just always connected. So there is no, like I call and he comes we're together because there is no time and space, right? So it's not like I'm carrying him around like a balloon connected to the back of my hair's back, you know what I mean? There is no time and space. So so we're always connected. And so when I go in to do um, like an energy healing, we just, it's like, he knows, so we're just, bang, we start. And he will start moving me. Um, I'll see things. I might um, hear words in my head or um, this part is sort of like describing the smell of the color nine to people who aren't intuitive, but it's like having knowings and understandings just put in your mind, which is clear cognizant. Um, and sometimes he, he does do direct channeling with me. So if I, at the end of every healing session, I say, do you have any messages for so-and-so? And if not him, one of their guides or a, another, you know, ascended master divine being, will speak through me out of my mouth. And, um, <laughs> and it was a really interesting uh, experience the, when he, that first started happening, but we can go into that. But so, so it's like a combination of all of that, of all of those things. Yeah. And um, you know, it's really interesting when you talk about that too, as well. I always find it so fascinating about the different levels of uh, energies and availability of ascended masters, you know, uh, open to us. And they're just kind of waiting for us to kind of waken up and kind of say, Hey, we're up here, want to help, but uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly it. So with your channeling, what do you think was the reason that, I wouldn't say they picked you or you chose this? Like, I mean, because the angelic realm is so massive, it's so big, it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just get chills thinking about it, talking about it. You know, um, what I'm trying to articulate is you talked about the various levels of, mm -hmm. um, of angels. So just talk briefly about that. So Ian is well, a seraphim. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. You said, mm -hmm. so what are the other levels? So is that, an, is that in the archangel realm? Okay. So or, yeah, let's just kind of just touch on this a bit. Yeah. So it's, it, that aspect is slightly confusing because there is an archangel, uh, realm that is a little closer to the guardian angel dimensional level. Um, so it's a little closer to, to the, the, where the humans exist. Um, that said though, some of, some of the, what, who, the beings that we refer to as archangels do exist in the seraphim realm. So that's kind of where the confusion comes, but seraphim is, is like I said, just below Elohim and which is just below source energy, which, you know, there's also the, the cherubim and, and, um, the, oh God, now my brain's going, Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> um, but there are several other levels within that and not, none of the levels are better or worse than the other. So I don't want, some people tend to, uh, create, um, an importance hierarchy with it, but it's not, it just determines, um, the things that they are assigned to oversee and, uh, work with. So don't hear that, don't hear uh, the word hierarchical and assume that th that means better or worse or more important or less important than, and I'm speaking to the listeners when I say that. Um, and why did they pick me? They didn't pick me. Um, I, it was a mutual agreement between Ian and I before we incarnated. And the other thing to know about Ian, and this was an eye opener for me because I didn't know this was a thing. Um, 
what we refer to as angelic beings don't necessarily uh, are not limited to beings that have never existed in physical form. Angelic beings can also be ascended uh, star people. And that is what Ian is. So, so you're, how should I say this? The angelic order in which an entity exists really refers to the dimension within they, they, they exist. Um, but you can be uh, a human that, that you know, has gone through the ascension process and you're now a being of light. You can be a star person who did the exact same thing, but on a different planet. Um, so Ian is actually uh, an ascended Arcturian. So he has, he has achieved the rainbow body of light, but he is an Arcturian. So for any of you who, doesn't know, who, who don't know what that is, I may have just blown your minds a bit and went way off the weirdo deep end, but hey, there you go. No, like, listen, I, I've actually covered a topic on that already. So Arcturian, oh. I have a gentleman who did Arcturian transmissions. He connects with that. Yeah, because it's always interesting or, you know, it's always fascinating too as well, because a lot of people are so interested in star people. They're this galactic federation, their families, their star origins, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's so fascinated about it. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's all that beautiful energy that's out there. And we're just craving that type of information. Now, I want to touch a little bit about sometimes what they call the dark side of channeling. There's mm -hmm. a lot of misinformation and I like to, I hate to say it, but so-called fake channelers yep. out there. And there's a lot of them out there, unfortunately. And there's, they're kind of, I always refer to them, they're in spiritual bypass. They're just, they just think that they're doing this, but they're really not doing this. And I always kind of a little, I'm not really upset, but I always kind of just caution people. Just, you have to really discern a lot of messages. So what is your opinion with that too? Because you're somebody who actually does this for a living and you're mm -hmm. out there and you're doing it. Do you find that people, there's a little bit of repercussion. People kind of look at you and go, yeah, I don't know. Yes. And they should absolutely. And they should. I, if you don't, here's a right, here's a really great thing that I think people need to be mindful of. I don't care what channel you're listening to me or anybody else. Always use your own discernment because every channel, no matter who we are, we are filters. Everyone has a filter. You cannot avoid this. The, how should I say this? The more clear your filter is, the more accurate the information, the more, the less clear or the more, um, how shall I say, tainted by perception and ego your filter is, will create a greater skew. But you might not necessarily know what is really going on with your filter. You might think you're the purest channel on the planet and yet be really quite skewed in your, in your thoughts and your beliefs and your perspectives and, and it inadvertently operating from those as you bring those energies in. And so that's where every channel is, is, um, can't help but perceive things and bring things in with their own little twist on it. So you then have to, as a listener say, that doesn't, that doesn't resonate me. It's possible, but it doesn't resonate with me. It's possible, but it doesn't resonate with me entirely. And so you kind of have to go to your own truth and your own higher self and say, well, that part feels right, but that part feels a little eh, and um, create your own truth with it instead of going, oh, because Bob said it on you know, his channel site, it's the truth. There, no one can ever say that they know the truth. And so, yeah, just be mindful, question everything, question everyone. Don't just drink everyone's Kool-Aid and understand that everyone's going to have their filters. 
Yeah. And I am so appreciative that you brought that up because it really is about their own filters, their own egos and what they're filtering through. And there's a lot of contradictions. They'll say one thing and then they'll do another thing. And they'll say contradicting of two different subjects that are kind of doing the same thing. So you have to kind of look through it and kind of kind of take this piece out and okay, yes, it makes sense. Take that little piece out. And it is really, you know, important to really have that discernment. Yes. I'm really happy that you kind of said this. Say, listen, if you like my material, yeah, but you know, there's other people out there. If you gravitate towards that, fantastic. But again, like you said, it's that filter. And I, I always say to all my students and anybody else out there, you got to do your inner work. You got to kind of get that filter a little cleaner before you start doing this work, because then it just really opens you up a little bit better. Yes. And doing the inner work is not as simple or as delightful <laughs> as people would like it to be. And so I have noticed that there are people that believe that doing the inner work is like doing ceremonies and meditating a lot and stuff like that. Those things are fine and good, but none of those are going to dig deep down into the nasty muck of your shadow and your wounds and your ingrained beliefs and perceptions that um, maybe have worked for a while, but maybe are limiting you and you don't know it. And so doing that type of work is, can be uncomfortable and ugly. And, um, but it, that's the necessary work that I think you're referring to. Yeah. And that's so true. I so agree. And it is, it is nasty. I've talked about that a lot of times on the podcast and doing the emotional work and having different uh, practitioners on. And we've talked about that, how important it is. And it's not fun. I'll admit that I've been doing my work and it sucks. There are days where I just say, screw this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's smart. Yeah. My favorite. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it is. You know, there are days like, I mean, I, I'm just like everybody else out there. You know, we have our good days, we have our bad days and we try to get through it. And, but as you do more work, it just, it becomes less of a burden. You kind of go, okay, that's what's going on. You just get that recognition. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So a part of your journey, stuff like that, did you, did you always think that you would be channeling and doing this type of work? Never, ever, never, ever. Nope. <laughs> nope. Just thought I was a weirdo. I mean, I, I mean, I am, and that's true, but it was, it was more like, you know, I would, because I've had weird experiences growing up and, and things like that, I gravitated to the, to the paranormal and the unusual things. So I, you know, I thought psychics and, and channelers were really cool. So I was fascinated by that. And I kind of you know, envied their gifts and abilities, but I never thought I would be one of those people. So, nope. Yeah. And now here you are. Yeah. Fully embraced. Here we go out. You know, that was one of the things uh, I struggled with for the longest time is kind of out of coming out of the closet. And I really kind of officially came out of the psychic closet early this past year with COVID. It was like, okay, been doing all this other stuff. And, you know, I've been dipping my toe in here and there, you know, I've been doing readings, but I wasn't doing it full time, but just on a side, it wasn't, you know, doing all this great stuff. And then finally it's like COVID kid. And then it's like, all right, do you really want to jump into this? Do you really want to put yourself out there? And I was scared shitless to be honest with you, because I was kind of the same way. I mean, I always felt weird. Um, and I never felt in place of, you know, around people, stuff like that. I always felt out of place. I couldn't no. never really figure it out until I started doing more work on myself and understanding about understanding about the paranormal and my psychic gifts and doing all that type of work. But then eventually, you know, it, it kind of be like a norm. And it's like, what am I being so goddamn afraid of? You know, it's just kind of like, screw it. Let's just do it. Jump in full feet. You know, you know, we were only here for a short period of time. So 
why not start living your life authentically and get out there? Absolutely. And yeah, I had to go through that. Even when I started put like putting out a Facebook page and, oh God, my, my family and friends are going to see this. And oh, <laughs> what if people I work with see this and think I'm weird? Yep, they totally do. They're not wrong. I, I totally admit it. And I, but I, I love that about myself. So, yeah, it took me a long time to embrace that part because I was one of the biggest things like, oh, I got to get a Facebook page and put it out there. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. Friends of mine saying, you got to do it. You got to do it. And I had a friend of mine, she was saying, you got to do your podcast. You got to do your podcast. And I'm going, oh, I don't want to. Oh, yeah, that's exactly. It's like, oh my God, people <laughs> are going to find out. And it wasn't so bad. Like I actually had an old client of mine that I, in my business uh, life, I still have my toe into it. And I got a call from him the, uh, the other day. And uh, it was like for, for some potential work. And I was kind of like, oh, good. I need some work. You know, cash is a little slow because of COVID. So he calls me up and he says, hey, Mike, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. He says, uh, so I hear you speak to dead people. And I just paused for a second. I started cringing. And I was like, oh, how the frick did he know about this? And, he, and I said, how did you know about this? Said, well, you're on this other podcast. And I heard that from our friend and blah, blah, blah. And and I heard from somebody else that you work with that you did a reading for them. They said, you're awesome. And, and it's like, okay. And he says, oh, okay. And I was kind of like waiting for the shoe to drop. And it's like, <laughs> and then we just, it was like nothing. And then we just talked about work and stuff like that. So I was like, I don't know why I was so afraid in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And that, uh, yeah, I think, I think anybody that does this kind of has to get over that, that hump of what are, what are people going to think of me and what are they going to say? And, and once you do it, it's like, Oh, it's, it's more freeing, you know, cause now it's like, you can think whatever you want of me at this point, you know, whatever. That's just a reflection of you, not me. So you go for the gold, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. With your, um, channeling of, of Kuan Yin. So if, for people who don't know who Kuan Yin is, I always kind of like, she's like the female version of the Buddha. Does that make a quick right way of kind of looking at it? Eh, I mean, you could look at it that way. She's definitely divine feminine. Although she, in India, she incarnated as uh, a male, as Avalokiteshvara. Um, but her energy is more divine feminine than, than what I would refer to as, as Buddha. Though he's, I feel, to me, his energy feels very balanced between divine feminine and divine, ma divine masculine. Um, whereas Kuan Yin is, is very divine feminine, which is, you know, the creative and the nurturing and the emotional and all that stuff. And she's the goddess of compassion and mercy. And you'll find her mostly in, um, uh, in Asian religions. So, uh, like even Korea has a different, I think her there, she's Kuan Yin. Um, but, but you know, she's in different, uh, Asian religions and cultures. Um, but again, in, in Hinduism, she was Avalokiteshvara as a, as a male, but yeah, her, her energy is just beautiful. It, it feels like almost like warm water. I don't know how else to describe it, but that's kind of how it feels. And it's very like flowy. Oh, it's like, like a hug. It feels really good. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard that from other people who have uh, had a contact with Kuan Yin. I've had a, a few acupuncturists who, uh, who find that that energy comes in during their treatments and they couldn't figure out what it was. But once they started realizing what it was, it's amazing how beautifully effective it's it's like a like it's like your it's like a grandmother hug you know your grandmother yes. you love the best and she just gives you that warm hug that just melts through everything right absolutely you nailed it that's exactly yes that's very well put yeah um when you're doing your healing work 
are you basically, are you starting off, you're doing mostly distant uh, healing right now, are you? Obviously because of COVID, yeah. Yeah, well, and I started doing remote healing because my mom passed away and I was living with her and and I because I was her caretaker. And I thought, ain't no way I'm doing healings in my home anymore because she was kind of my safety net where if something turned sideways, she could call 911 in case someone was like, hey, I'm here to rape you or rob you. Um, and so I thought for safety reasons, I'm not letting any old Tom, Dick, Harry, or Sue into my home. And so I started doing remote and lo and be freaking hold, the remote sessions were more powerful and more potent, which I did not see coming. Uh, but that's when Ian started randomly I also didn't see this coming uh the end of the first session I was about to call the client back and he pops out out of my mouth with a message for her and I was like that was the coolest thing ever we're doing this every time this is awesome <laughs> so I've just really only done remote since then because I still work out of my home uh so it to me that way I can reach more people so if you're in California I can work with you it, it doesn't matter and you can be in your pajamas um, in your recliner, if you want, and so can I. So, <laughs> so I'm just visualizing that you know, basically, you're just sitting in your pajamas, having a cup of coffee, doing your work and stuff like that, healing somebody, you know, in California or Australia or wherever else you heal, <laughs> and then you okay, and then calling up, how, how you feel? It's like, oh my god, I feel amazing. Now, with <laughs> that's not actually healing, how it goes, but it's similar. Yeah, it's similar. I mean, yeah, of course, I'm joking, of course. Yes, I always stand up when I do my healings because I have to pace and move around, which is weird, but it, I do them right here in my office. But, you know, I get to wear my grub clothes and no makeup if I want to. And it's just, yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't have to <laughs> get dressed up and do all the different things. Now, do you actually visualize the the person? Do, you, do they send you a picture of themselves? Um, you just basically get the name and then you're kind of, you do your thing. Now, do you basically go into a meditative state first? Like, how do you start off with your healing work? You kind of, again, I'm just trying to figure out your process. So if somebody's listening to it, they go, okay, that's how she does it. That's amazing. Yeah. So I usually take a few deep breaths and I, and whenever I start with a client, uh, before I call, I'll take some deep breaths and I'll center myself and I, I'll go into my heart. I'll do my grounding and centering. I'll do a little bit of um, protection work just to make sure that my energy stay with me instead of being transferred to the client and vice versa. And I do the same thing after, uh, after I'm done with the session. But when I call the client, we call in all of our guides. So I call in, you know, our divine aspects or our higher self, our oversoul, um, our mutual spiritual entourages. So our spirit guides, our totems, our ancestors, our, you know, whoever it is that we work with that we're assigned to guide and support us in this lifetime, as well as all other high vibrational beings of love and light from all realms, dimensions, and star systems. Like, let's just get everybody in here and anybody that wants to participate in this healing can do so. And then I set the intention. So I state the intention and it's very thorough. <laughs> and then I ask the client to agree. So when they verbally agree, it just increases their ability to allow for healing. And then I hang up. And that's when, since I've already done my kind of meditation, we've done the, the, the uh, intention, we just start going. But I visualize like an etheric mini them without knowing what they look like. It's just more of, more of like a human form uh, kind of floating in front of me that we can manipulate. So usually they're turned sideways so I can work on the front chakra and the back chakra. Let me rephrase the front of the chakra and the back of the chakra at the same time, because chakras from the side actually look like, like cones coming out from, from the front and the back and energy goes in the front. And if you're, 
taking things transpersonally and you're not being triggered, it goes out the back. If you get triggered by something or you're wounded, the energy stays there. And that's where the, the kind of the wounding and the blockages and the things tend to come up. If, if they're too high, I can lower them. I can turn them. I can kind of do whatever I want. And um, it just gives me a greater level of freedom to not have to know what they look like. I, they, the beings that I'm channeling and that I work with know who I'm working on. I don't need to see them. They do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that I, help? I, yeah, it does. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people have a different process. I know when I do readings and stuff like that, I, I just need a picture of somebody. That's what mm -hmm. I, that's, that's how I do it. So I, like, I've just seen, if I had a photograph of you, that's all I need. I don't need you to be in person. I used to have to have somebody in person because I didn't have a, a, a clear understanding of how my abilities work, but now I can just look out of a picture, redo a reading off a picture. So I just wondered if you had the same idea. I know some people have actually, you know, have a table out and they're visualizing the client on the table and their hands are being moved around the particular body. Now, do you see systems in the body too as well? Do you actually see like an energetic kind of blueprint or x-ray of, of the individual? Let's say they're having problems with the nervous system. Do you kind of, does that kind of show up in your picture and you start working with the nervous system or let's say the digestive system? How does that work for you? No, I, mostly I see the chakric system, but because the chakric system is connected to all of those things, as I'm working on, on different chakras, although I do sometimes work on the physical body. So sometimes I, they have had me put my hand in their etheric body and like send energy specifically to an organ. And that was, that was bizarre. Cause the first time that happened was, it was somebody's gallbladder. And I'm like, you want me to tell her that? Okay. <laughs> um, but mostly I see the chakra system and then I get a knowing or an understanding of this has, this energy has become so uh, dense that they're now having a physical experience and they would experience it in this part of their body and it could show up looking or feeling like such and so. So like if it's something in the sacral chakra, oh, you might be experiencing, um, you know, kidney issues or low back pain if it's in the back, or you might be experiencing digestive issues or bladder issues if it's in the front. Um, sometimes I get more specifics like, you know, you're experiencing, it, you know, indigestion. Yeah, yeah, I am. I've been really gassy lately, you know, whatever it is. But um, so it's more like instead of seeing it, I'll see the chakra system and then get more of a feeling or a knowing for what physical parts it you, they might be experiencing symptoms in. So do you uh, basically, after you finish the, the session, you would basically uh, call them back or, or basically email them saying, this is what I found. And now is there like a, a post healing, um, uh, I guess, post healing suggestion that they do like sometimes they need to like, let's say, okay, they're having digestive problems. Do they need to like, okay, stop eating this or stop thinking like this? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, you as a healer, I know a lot of people, they always project everything onto the healer. Like you're supposed to pull the, the Jesus Christ on me and save me and heal me and do that yeah. sort of thing. But it's a lot of times it's part of their responsibility to help themselves heal too, as well. Not even part, it's 100% their responsibility. So, so I'll go back a little bit to explain my post session, what I do. I always do sessions over the phone. I don't prefer doing uh, so, you know how you were saying you need a, you need a picture to kind of connect with their energies. For me, I need to hear their voice. So I don't need to see them, but if I can hear their voice, then I can connect with their energies and, and just know their name. Even if I just know their name, it's fine. But, but it's not as, um, I don't get nearly no, enough of the kind of the full meat and taters of, of who they are and what's going on unless I can hear their voice. And so I always call them back. We give a rundown of, uh, well, first they get the channeled message because I will forget it because it's not for me to know. So my, I get psychic amnesia. Um, but then we go through everything we worked on and I'll say, you know, does that make sense to you? D does that 
you know, or am I completely full of crap? Cause it could be, I don't know. I'm just making up stuff. You tell me. Um, and then I'll say, is there, is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I set an hour for the session and the healing might only take 10, 20 minutes. So after that, it's like, okay, this energy that's going on in the back of your sacral chakra, um, that, that felt like it could be related to, uh, either a past life or something that you've experienced in the past that you're still working through or both. Is that something you want to talk about? And that's when we really start diving down into the meat and taters of healing of what are your real wounds? What are your real issues that you're still working through? Because that's, what's being picked up on, but a healer can do all the stuff in the world they want. But if the client doesn't then go and you know, if they're told you need, it's, uh, it's important for you to, to learn to no longer take things personally. And you can do that by figuring out, you know, what's the lie when you take things personally, really what's the voice in the back of your head that was from your, uh, your mom telling you, you were stupid when you were three, I don't, whatever it is, but some sort of childhood or past life wounding that programmed your subconscious mind to then take things personally, because there's something in the back of your head saying, you know, you're stupid or you're, you know, ugly or, you know, whatever it is. What's the lie? Where did the lie come from? Who told you, who lied to you? Who told you that? Even if it was yourself, what triggered you to lie to yourself? Okay, what's the truth then? And so every time you, you, you learn to recognize when you're being triggered and you're telling yourself that lie, and you can learn to say with practice, okay, I just lied to myself. I just got myself triggered, but I know that the truth is da, 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 da. And the more you do that, the more you tell yourself the truth and you catch yourself in the act of operating from, excuse me, from that wound, that's when you can start reprogramming. But if, if I can, I can say all of that to the client, but if the client goes, okay, thanks, bye, click. And they don't do anything. All of the hard work that went into that is going to be for naught. Exactly. It's yeah. 100, all, all healer, all healers, sorry, all healing is self-healing and all healers do is provide an opportunity for it and um, the opportunity for a greater intensity of it because it's sort of like, here we are, we're going to shift the energy. You maintain it or not. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is people not uh, maintaining their energy levels after that and looking at actually doing the work afterwards, after their sessions. You know, so mm -hmm. many times I know I have myself, you know, over the years worked with clients and they keep repeating the same thing. You kind of go in, you fix something, you kind of help them, uh, you know, regenerate, they feel better, come back with the same issue all the time. I worked in a chiropractic clinic and I used to see that all the time. The chiropractor would fix and adjust their back and stuff like that. And they keep recurring these same back injuries. So I remember my chiropractor says, would you just fix these people for me? Fix these people. I mean, I could try, but it was just that, again, uh, I was seeing repetitive issues coming back and back and forth all the time. And mm -hmm. it was so frustrating all the time. And you try to educate people on that. If they don't want to hear it, they're not going to listen. It's like, yeah, just again, fix me, fix me. So I can just do whatever else I do. Yes. Make it easy. So I don't have to be responsible for my own healing. And so I don't have to do my own inner work. Just, just do it for me. Yeah. That's uh, not how it works. <laughs> no, not, not on this planet anyways. Nope. <laughs> no. Are, are there certain things that you're seeing more often are being needed to be healed? There are always themes, but sometimes the themes change. Um, so there might be like three clients in a row. They're all working through oddly exactly the same thing and exactly the same chakras. Um, recently it has been uh, personal power and um, 
having been in an experience where they felt like they couldn't be themselves or they felt like they had no control over the situation or they felt like they were under someone else's control, meaning they couldn't defend themselves or stand up for themselves or they, they chose not to. Um, and then paired with that then are the throat chakra issues that come from not saying, you know, I got this boo-boo or speaking up for yourself or speaking your truth or defending yourself with your words versus just your actions. Um, and then it's, they're so interconnected. And then you've got the, the sacral chakra that then starts to feel the, um, oh, the resentment or the frustration or the pain of not having allowed yourself or having been allowed, if it was say an abusive relationship to experience those things. So that's, that's kind of one of the themes that I've seen recently. Lack of self-love is always, always, always at the core issue of whatever it is. There's always some kind of, um, I don't love myself enough to be able to either tell me, tell myself these things that I need to hear from others, give myself the things that I feel other, others need to give to me. Um, I don't love myself enough to um, really understand the level of personal power that I actually have and I'm inhibiting myself. So there, it's, that's kind of the, the seed that's kind of the planetary epidemic, I think. Yeah. And it's so true. That self-love is so important. You know, I've, I've struggled with Hard. that over the years. Yeah. I know myself, I struggle with it. It was, I don't know, maybe like five, 10 years ago, maybe that I didn't realize that was one of the core issues on that. And I was like, I can't believe the stuff I used to do to myself because, you know, there wasn't that self-love and I just like, Oh my God. And I look back and sometimes I cringe on that. It's like, I would never do that to somebody else, but why would I do that to myself? Yeah. 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 And it's, that's so thing. So how do you think most people get that way? Is it, it's just a programming that they learn from childhood or is it something deeper? Like it's, I always say sometimes that's the original wound, you know, as we left source, you know, that kind of separation of source, that abandonment that we have, what are you finding most with happening with, with people with that self-love? I do think you, you, you nailed it in terms of the, the greater scope, the greater picture of the, um, the illusion of the separation that we chose to experience by, by having this, this human, uh, you know, third dimensional experience, um, part and parcel with that was this, um, oh, the opposite of what's true again, which is the, the lack of love, lack of connection, which of course is just an illusion for the sake of the experience, right? But that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic. Um, so in order to create a context for ourselves in our lives, we will have experiences whether, and they're always agreed upon. We will always agree to have these experiences for the sake of soul growth and for the sake of remembering who we are, which is an you know, individuation of divine source incarnate, um, to have experiences of wounding at which the core source is some sort of belief of lack of self-love or lack of self-worth, right? Whether it's somebody does something to us and we think, well, they're only doing that to me because I lack self-worth, right? Or um, someone is abused and it's, and they think, well, I, I you know, I, they're telling me I'm, I'm a, you know, worthless pile of crap, therefore I must be a worthless pile of crap or whatever it is. Uh, or my father abandoned me when I was two, I must not be worth staying for. Um, but usually there are past lives that, have similar wounding, maybe through different experiences, but the core wound is, is the same that reflects it. But we have to, in order to experience the healing process, have some context 
within which to put it. So we'll provide for ourselves context within the current lifetime in order to, to generate that. So yes, it's in our current lifetime and it can also be previous lifetimes, but I do agree that it is um, part and parcel of the, the, the initial wounding of incarnating as humans and uh, the initial wounding of the experience of duality. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's so true. And, you know, I really want to touch about, about past lives too, as well. So when you work with somebody, um, I get that all the, everything's individualized, right? You know, whether it's just have to hear or have to work on this lifetime, or is it something in the past that they're just carrying through, but they just can't manage through that. So when you do your work is, so is it like an automatic thing that, you know, you're kind of like taken back to that particular lifetime that they've incurred this wound that's still affecting them in this, this lifetime or several times, you know, several past lives that they're pulling into this lifetime that they still haven't got it. So you have to go back into those particular areas kind of heal that up. And then it's just through that vibration that just changing. And do you notice when you do past life work that sometimes those past life memories come up in your clients? Like they kind of go, I was in a meditation where I was dreaming and I was in like ancient Egypt or something like that. Does a lot of those things come up for your clients? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I will say this, um, I will pick up that something happened in a past life or several past lives but again, because time and space don't exist, these lives are really happening simultaneously and they're all interwoven like a web. So they're all connected. So whichever life within which you do the healing work, it will ripple out to all of those other lifetimes. So you don't need to go to the, the air quotes original lifetime that the wounding incurred in order to heal it in your current lifetime and the other lifetimes, so you can heal it here. And I find that that is for at least for me more helpful because people tend to get attached to their the identity of who they were in those lifetimes when you know they, they kind of get attached to the minutia that really are unimportant when it comes to the healing process. And um, I find that it's easier to work with someone with the context within which they're currently existing. So if you can stay focused on, okay, but when your dad said this to you when you were five years old, that means something to them because they had a, a reaction to that, an emotional response. They can connect to that. They feel that. But if you say, yeah, you know, 2000 years ago, 50 lifetimes ago, you experienced this. Okay congratulations like it doesn't there, there's no emotional meaning or connection to that so i find that there's a greater level of healing that can happen if you work within the context of the current lifetime if um how should i say this if there was a current lifetime experience that created context so some, sometimes you'll have like a back pain that it's like yeah you got stabbed in the back by a spear you know thirty thousand years ago or whatever it is that's one thing if you don't have context in this lifetime, but if you have context in this lifetime, I prefer to use this lifetime. Brilliant. You know, I'm such a big fan of that too. Cause I think a lot of people get, they get, they romanticize the, the past life thing too much. And it's easy because, you know, you would just basically start forgetting what's happening in this life. Cause it isn't a form of bypass. Cause you're just thinking, Oh, this happened to me 2000 years ago or a thousand years ago, or, you know, last lifetime so they kind of blame that and they don't and again it takes the focus of what's happening in this lifetime yes which is the current problems that you need to face sure we have certain ideals and themes and stuff that are 
we we brought into it. But if we don't actually fix what's happening now, it's pointless. I mean, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love the woo woo. I love that. I mean, hey, we're all about the woo woo. Right. <laughs> this is the woo woo channel, right? Come right, on. Give me more. <laughs> give me some more. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I so believe in the power of past lives, but I also believe in the functionality of the healing of this lifetime. And, the, and that's where it's really important to get it at this time too, as well. And really, I'm really happy that you really mentioned that and you focus on that as part of your practice. Because, you know, like any other healer or any other people, they love the woo-woo and they stay in the woo-woo, but again, it's not practical. And I love practical practicality in somebody. And that's what I love about the people I have on because I always stress that the people I usually have on are very practical. They give practical approaches to everyday healing and everyday problems that we're facing now. Mm-hmm. Love the past life stuff. Love it. And I'll journey and I'll go there. But as far as overall healing abilities and healing what you need to heal, I think this is the lifetime that we need to really, especially now. I yes. Mean, the world is such I a shitstorm right now. We need to we need to start <laughs> just to put a you know lightly, you know, we need to kind of start working on things now, you know. Yes, a lot hard repeatedly yes. twice on Sundays. Yes. Um <laughs> and and I I love I, I love that you appreciate that because there are, you know, I like you said, the past lives are cool. Like it's 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 cool to know that stuff. It's fun to know that stuff. It's interesting, it's fascinating, but it is that bypassing and it's also like just spiritual busy work kind of, cause it does keep you distracted, um, from doing the deeper work and from the deeper meaning of it. And so people just to kind of make, make an example. So, Oh, I was princess winter, spring, summer fall from nebula nine, three lifetimes ago. Oh, and they attach to that and they use that as a way to, um, boost their own self-worth and their own ego they attach to that as if oh that, i was important and that was fascinating congratulations but you're you now and so the point you know a you shouldn't need to know that you were princess winter spring summer fall from nebula nine to understand that you are equally as important and valid and worthwhile as you were then you know you, you learn to understand that fi- find that same awesomeness in who you were then in who you are now, because the, it's equal. There, there's an equality there. I'm just going to interrupt you there. Can you just Please. repeat that again? Because I think that was so quintessential. That was so beautiful. Uh, I think I channeled that. Uh, something to the effect of, <laughs> you know, find your, the, the awesomeness that you see in the being that you were then, learn to see that same awesomeness in who you are now because it's equal. It's the same soul. It's the same energy. It's the same entity incarnating both things. I changed it because I don't remember exactly how I said it, but <laughs> that's okay. You're on a flow. So I, I you know, but I, I thought it was so poignant that we had to just, I, I had, I usually try not to interrupt people when they're on their flow, but it was just so poignant. I was like, okay, that made so much sense. And it was so beautifully said, and you probably were channeling. I mean, I think you're part in and out of, you know, your peeps are coming in and out and they're saying, okay, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about that. Yeah. The faster I talk and the more I move my hands, you know, I'm, I'm, especially if I'm looking away, if I'm not looking at the camera, I'm, pr- I'm usually channeling. So. <laughs> yeah. I think you're going to watch this back and you're going, yeah, I was just channeling. Yep. I wasn't even here. Nope. Jennifer wasn't here. It was uh, Ian Kwan nope. Yin and everybody else that she has. God knows uh, who else. And yeah. <laughs> like if you, if, if you, if you turn around, I noticed like there's a lineup of people around the door out the corner around. The- <laughs> Exactly. They're all waiting. They're all getting their chance. It's like, like okay, here's an open vessel. Let's just kind of jump in yeah. and see what happens. Come 
Sonia's got to stop talking. She's been monopolizing here for about the last 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that? Did you ever notice that uh, because you're sometimes you can be so open, you ever find other entities kind of want to kind of hang out and see what's all about or are your peeps pretty strong and you kind of guarded and your gatekeepers pretty well on the mark? Like you don't have to worry about any other, let's say lower vibrational entities kind of hanging out. No. And I do a lot of, um, you know, banishing and, and protection to make sure, but the, the feeling I get is like, I shine my light so brightly that they, they, um, most of the time they don't want to kind of mess with me. Uh, because I work with so high such high vibrational beings and energies and entities, no one low or low vibrational has tried to come in. Um, the only time they try to mess with me is when I'm most vulnerable, which is, you know, in, in the astral state. And even in the astral state, I have learned to say my banishing and protection thing. So it doesn't even work then, <laughs> but they try. <laughs> You find that during your sleep time, do you find that when you're astral traveling during your sleep, that that's when you're most, the most vulnerable? Cause you're not really, you're, you're asleep and you're not really, again, you're conscious, but you're not really conscious in that. In that well, sense. they, they, they exist there. They exist in the fourth dimension, which is the astral realm. And so they feel as though they have more control over that realm and they can manipulate it. So they'll try to create experiences that feel real. Like you look and feel like you're really in your house, but you, you know, something's off. And so when you can learn to know that you're lucid dreaming and that this is an experience that something else is, is trying to create for you because they have an agenda, you, you catch wise to it and you go, okay, I'm dreaming. And there's an entity that wants me to do this thing. Um, they've tried to up their game lately where they try to make me feel uh, kind of high, like drugged. So I'm more discombobulated. Like they're really trying to up their game. Um, but they've, they've, never succeeded but it's it's kind of their turf and so it's just easier for them since they can do such a good job of manipulating it yeah yeah i've always said uh, i've always worried about what people with when doing the spiritual work they they don't realize that there can be some lot of dangers in this too as well you got to really pay attention yes and you know it's like that whole thing with the ouija board and all those Ooh, other crazy yeah. Stuff. yeah all those other stuff that <laughs> you know but you got to really i had a I had some friends years ago that are really into channeling mm -hmm. and they're really into doing this work and they're calling stuff like that. But again, it wasn't like the best circle. And I've always kind of mm -hmm. felt like this is something wrong here. There's something going on. Like my spidey sense is going off. Like this is not good. Yep. We're, we're not protecting ourselves. We're not doing this. This is just kind of like, Hey, let's just kind of experiment and see what happens. And then it's like, yeah, you can't experiment with you know, this stuff. You really got to pay attention. You really got to do your work. You got to, yes. you got to ground yourself. There's a lot of stuff. Now, do you teach this at all? Sorry. Can, I add, can I add just a little bit? You can add about all, all you want. Okay. So I think the other thing that, that people forget to do is really be clear about who you want to talk to so that, and who you don't want to talk to, because people like you were just saying, will just kind of be like, let's just open this up and let's make it a party. And you're going to get like the worst party goers you ever want. You're going to get the people that like drink all the beer and break stuff. You don't want that. <laughs> so, you know, really be clear. So when I start a channeling session or a healing session, I call in only, only the beings of the highest love and the highest light of the highest order from you know all realms, dimensions, and star systems, plus you know our spiritual entourage. So I'm very clear about who I'm allowing to work with, and um, you know there's a protect there's a protection there too. So be clear about only beings of love and light of the highest order, only beings in light 
are allowed to communicate and work through me. And any beings that are not of love and not of light, you may be escorted to the white light of source for transmutation with love, peace, and forgiveness. Um, so yeah, don't, don't screw around with it unless you know really what you're doing and, and how to do it. Yeah. Do you teach us at all? No. <laughs> I mean, I did. I just did. <laughs> well, yes. I just wondered if you offered any courses like that, because I mean, you're so experienced at that and you, you mean, you're very knowledgeable and you've been there, you've done that. Right. So I just wondered if you offered any courses in helping people who, you know, maybe listen to this podcast go, you know, I'd really like to find out more about this. Um, you know, I was just wondering if you taught some courses. I should though, shouldn't I? I should. Maybe that was me channeling something honestly, else. I have no courses because, and I was just talking to some friends last night. So I'm a part of a group called the Hearts of Change Collective. And we do I, Facebook lives almost every Monday. Is that where that. you were? Us I three see. weirdos? Yep. <laughs> it's just so much fun. I love doing it. And, um, you know, we were talking last night because I'm going to be a part of a local kind of expo, which I don't prefer doing in-person healing, but but I'll do it. But they were like, you should do a talk. You know a lot of stuff. And I'm like, that's the problem. I don't know of the things I know, what people want to know, like, what do people want to, I don't know. And, um, and I tend to talk best so I can pick a topic and then be done in like 10 minutes, even though I've got like 50 minutes to spend, which I've done before. So cause I, it just goes out of my face. So I do need to suck it up and, and really kind of, I hate to say compartmentalize, but really look at things that people might want to know. But I, I would love feedback from anybody who, who has questions or wants to know things so I can kind of look at how I can compile the information that I have on these different subjects. I don't know what people want to know. Well, I think they're going to find out through this uh, podcast. So that being said, Jennifer, um, I'm going to just uh, make a little mention that. So if you wanted to contact Jennifer and you wanted to know about different things and to help her out on her, uh, on her new course and things like that, <laughs> courses? Highly, I don't know. courses, I think yeah. there's going to be courses and stuff like that. <laughs> um, I think you'd be fabulous teacher. Absolutely fabulous teacher. I mean, you, your energy is just off the chart and I absolutely love it. You know, oh, you can you. feel thank that beautiful you. energy through you and through just listening to this too as well. So that being said, Jennifer, where can people find you if they want to have a healing session, if they want to reach out and say, Hey, I want to learn more about this. Where can they find you? Well, they can find me on my website to start, which is www.angelenergyhealing.net. Um, I've also got a Facebook page. So if you look up Jennifer Passivant, uh, uh, intuitive spiritual life coach and energy healer and channeler, uh, you'll find it there. I'm on, uh, I'm angel energy 44 on Instagram. I'm angel energy 44 on Twitter. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel, which again is Jennifer Passivant, intuitive spiritual life coach, energy healing practitioner, blah, 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 blah. I'll come up. You'll find me. Um, and also check out our hearts of change collective page, because that's where I do a lot of live stuff and talk about a lot of stuff and we have a lot of neat people on and sometimes we just go on and shoot the shit and the spiritual shit and sometimes we do group healings which is super fun um because there's always like weird synchronicities that come up with all the healers and things so it's it's just a lot of fun but that's i just said that really fast too but that's where people can find me <laughs> oh, that's okay i'll have all i'll have all jennifer's information in the description below in the podcast or on the video so you guys will be able to easily find her um, once again, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. I know you've been so busy and I'm really excited for you and your path too as well. There's so much good things coming your way. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. So I'm just going to close off the podcast here. So this has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott. Thank you so much for joining me and goodbye for now. <laughs>